Life Audio. So welcome to the Gospel Rant. Dr. Bill Sinyard here. Check out this quote from The Great Sex Rescue, a fantastic book. Please get it. Sex can't be intimate if you feel like you don't matter. Christian men and women, we're we're longing for that kind of intimacy where we do matter, that makes us feel like we matter. Aren't we tired of faking it till we make it? Or this saying, this is my role and your role is this, or we don't have roles, so that should make it all fixed and do it, right? I mean, I get it philosophically on paper, but in the bed and in the heart and in the midbrain, they're not working. The Song of Songs shows us why. Movement number five is parallel to movement number three. It's brilliant poetry. But we get to see an aspect of the queen that she can no longer keep hidden. When the king groom finds her, she can't be vulnerable. She can't be loved. She can't love. She, you know, she can't have great sex. Oh, she can have intercourse, sure. But that's not intimacy and closeness, vulnerability and uh, a trust that she wants. The watchmen on the walls in her brain are not going to let her. So you can give her a book. You can send her to a conference, to counseling. Could help a little bit, but she needs transforming power. Her rewiring that needs to be accomplished is in her brain. That makes sense? Yours too. So the point is, this is where the king and his love finds us all today. We're so shredded emotionally and relationally, we just can't get there until the king. So bottom line, men, women, do you want great sex, not just intercourse? Check it out. In this movement, and in particular movement four, we're going to show you how to get there. No shame, no working harder. That's not your core problem. Your core problem is you need healing. Come on, you know people this can help. Please send it to them. Send them a link. Send them. Put it on your social media. Put it on Facebook, wherever you go to let people know this. We, we need help, right? So, and this, I'm not going to shame anybody. Just steps for healing for Christians, Okay. Well, we're going to take a break for sponsors, and we will be right back. Hi, everyone. If you've been injured in an accident that was not your fault, listen up. We have legal professionals standing by to answer your questions for free. Call now and find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Call 800-497-4410. I'm here with spokesman John Wolfe. So, John, tell everyone listening who should call right now. Well, Maria, first off, thank you for having me here. It's always nice to answer the listeners' questions. Now, as far as who should call in, anyone who's been injured in an accident and think you deserve compensation, give us a call right now. 800-497-4410. You'll find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Thanks, John. You heard it, folks. Take advantage of this opportunity and call now. 800-497-4410. Advertisement sponsored by Legal Help Center may not be available in all states. Okay, we left off with the queen emotionally dysregulating when the king comes to take her to the final phase of the marriage process. The great and glorious groom procession, we'll see it in movement four. But, you know, think of this like their marriage day, and she shuts it down. It's not like she was being reasonable. Her brain, which has been shredded by just about every relationship she's ever known, uh, did what it was designed to do and protect her. So she sarcastically turns the king away. And I'm guessing that a hundred times 
of a hundred times before that moment she dreamed of this. And it was going to hit in her brain. It was going to go differently. What she would say, what she would do, how she would dress up, what she would look, the makeup, you know, right? How it would feel to be in his arms, to be loved by him, kissed by him, how she would respond and love him back. But in the moment, bam, her brain's inner working model erupt. And okay, so this is a bit unfair, but to make a point, complementarian love would urge her to do the right thing and submit. Egalitarian love would would just let her self-destruct somehow. God's love is all about healing her wounds. Um, God is healing those he loves so that they can be loved by his love and can love him back in return. It's a different playing field. All right, push back, Bill at gospel-app.com. I'd love to hear your thoughts on that. Now, you may not be aware that you have such a trigger, but if I asked your friends and family, they'd probably say differently. <laughs> but we all have those same broken, shredded, inner working models, I promise you. And they just do their work of undermining intimacy quietly sometimes, behind the scenes sometimes. They're the foxes, remember, that eat the grapes. They're the watchmen on the walls that emotionally beat us up and expose our nakedness, our uglies to the entire world. And matter of fact, to our mirror. I came across this, this is an old song, uh, Amanda Marshall. I think it's fantastic. I'm not going to sing it. <laughs> no problems. Uh, yeah, no, you, you thank me for that one. I'm just going to read the lyrics. But this is the queen in the city after a long day of searching for the, <laughs> for the lover that, that she dismissed. She's checking into a local Motel 6. This is Amanda Marshall's last exit to, to Eden. Listen to it. It's a great song. The walls are thin here in this motel room. Some fool is raging overhead. He's preaching the gospel, according to Johnny Walker Red. 400 miles of talking to myself. Me and your memory end up here. I tell myself I'm going to be all right, but it's still not clear. Did I just miss the last exit to Eden? Is this the only love I'll know? Like a Judas kiss did my heart betray me back on the road I never chose. There are some sins that you can justify, but not the one I'm guilty of. I had a choice one last chance ago, but I turned my back on love. I can hear the man upstairs. He's crying out, fall on your knees. The end is near. We both may need a savior tonight. I fear that mine is the one that I left waiting far from here. Wow. Very powerful. But this king is not so easily wounded and put off. He's not done. He's never done. <laughs> you know, we could look to complementarianism for help or egalitarianism for help, but the queen is not reasonable or rational. She is dysregulating. She's shame-ridden, guilt, fears, right? Some old, some new, probably some back during infancy. So here's a third and better biblical path for intimacy, the great sex rescue. And I think that now we see signs of something miraculous beginning to happen in her pain. She finally cries out to the daughters of Jerusalem, and they give her a twofold gospel. All right? Daughters of Jerusalem, help me now. If you find my lover, please tell him where I am and that I really am so desirous of his love again. Daughters of Jerusalem, who is your great lover, most beautiful of all women? Who is he? All right. Gospel question number one for the queen, for Christians, for you and me, caught up in this habitual reactionary behavior. 
She feels shame, self-loathing, failure, and guilt. And the daughters of Jerusalem ask her, so who is your lover? In the midst of her self-focused turmoil and emotional mess, they ask her about him. So tell us again about him, his character, his attributes. Enough about you, your tragic life and victimization. No one understands your pile of wounds. They all may be true and accurate, but enough. What about him? This is important stuff. Life sucks sometimes. It swells up and down. But his character never changes, so tell us about him. And so she does. It's in a poetic form called a wasp, W-A-S-F-S. She says, my lover is glorious and manly. He is one in a million. His head is regal, godlike. His hair is perfect. His eyes are gentle, clear, and radiant. Oh, how I remember the aroma of perfume on his cheeks. His lips were soft like flower petals. His arms were powerful and strong. His body taut masculine. His legs were muscular like those of an athlete. He stands like a statue of a god on a pedestal. He is like a majestic cedar of Lebanon. Oh, and his kisses. I can still taste his sweet kisses. He is altogether wonderful, perfectly handsome. This is my lover. Notice she now says my. This is my best friend, O daughters of Jerusalem. So forget the watchmen. Forget my shame, my guilt, my pain, my history, my context, my decisions, my fears, my exposures, my paranoia. You know, I can agree on this. My lover is pretty good. He's a great lover. He is still what he is. And he is still my lover. He still loves her as she is, a two-time loser. There is no need to fret or be anxious. So now she remembers him and his love for her. And as she focuses upon him, her memory of him, She forgets her situation. Remember, she was naked, beat up, bloodied on the cold ground. She's no longer naked, it would seem. Her self-focus dramatically shifts. And here's the miracle of the gospel. It's not just a choice that happens. As she looks up into his gaze, she is mysteriously in his arms. Yeah? And she is the queen, and he is her king. It's healing. Are you with me? It's a great poetic view of it, but there's more. They ask her a second question. So where is he then, O most beautiful of women? Where is he gone? We will help you look for him there. Oh, she says, I can see him. Look, my lover is here now in his garden. Remember intimacy? Entwined about me. Remember intimacy? Caressing me, loving me, embracing me, kissing me. You know, intimacy. (laughs) Oh, I remember again, I'm still his beloved. He is still mine. And we embrace like eternal lovers. Gospel question number two for queens, for Christians, for you and me. See, now that we see more clearly who the lover is, where is he? Well, fascinating response by the queen. Oh, hey. Oh, oh, wait. Now now that you mentioned it. Oh, he's right here. (laughs) He's I've been in his embrace all the time. She wakes up in the loving, romantic, adoring embrace of the great lover king. Turns out he never left. All of that was in her head, in her experience and context. He was always holding her, always kissing her with the kisses of his lips. 
Uh, look, again, back, I think I've mentioned uh, worship, you being in worship, me being in worship, and sometimes we check out and we get back together and all of a sudden the Holy Spirit grabs us and we begin to be grateful and been to worship. Was it the Holy Spirit just appeared? No, no, we checked back in. <laughs> okay, so where is he? Oh, wait, I remember now. He didn't leave. He continues to love me gently, gently, gently. He's ever-present, ever-loving, healing. He's honoring me, even in my insanity. In fact, it's his love that loves me into loving him back. (laughs) He does not ever get ticked off. He merely loves me. Have I said that? He loves me? In fact, it is his love, his kindness, that leads me to repentance, Paul will write, returning to sanity. And when I do, he's there. No probation time, no lectures, just the king embracing the prodigal again. The lover king loving his beloved again. Spiritually, this is the minimum that the cross purchased completely for for me, for you, if you're a Christian, once for all eternity. In spite of my flesh-induced, shaped, controlled feelings, the king loves me absolutely. Well, what then is the cure for my shame and guilt? One, who who is my lover and where is he? Well, what then is the cure for my fears? Who is the lover and where is he? What is the power to shift me from the very powerful, habitual, self-focused emotions and drivers? Who is he? Where is he? What begins to fill my voracious hunger for such love and intimacy? Who is he and where is he? What power can possibly diminish addictions? Who is he and where is he? And by the way, Watchmen on the Walls. All right, in movement three, they ignored her. They're supposed to guard something, but what? They don't even seem to know the king or respect the queen. They're not even interested in her well-being. But in movement five, they abuse her. They strip her naked. They expose her uglies on the cold pavement. I'm going to suggest that they represent the law. And not the Torah, per se, but the law in her head. Are you with me? Right and wrong, informed by Torah. So the law is good, but it can be very harsh and unforgiving. As a matter of fact, it is. And, and the laws are what they are. They expose, they beat up, they, they don't have any power to help one find the king. Um, that requires revelation, that requires the gospel, that requires power that the law doesn't have. See, that requires the king saying, look up. Look up. Both complementarians and egalitarians have such laws. They're just different. And Paul's going to say in Galatians 5.18, very enigmatic, but if you are led by the Spirit, you're not under law. Meaning, in our context, if I'm in the embrace of the King and His love, His Spirit is healing my wounds and, and casting out fears. I'm being changed. And the first thing that I notice is that I'm beginning to feel loved by the King. I'm beginning to feel lovable. Second, I'm beginning to want to love the king in response and others in response, the two great commandments, not because of the law. The law says I should have been doing it all along. But now, because I'm being healed and empowered, I'm beginning to do the law. It's walking by the Spirit. Yeah? All right. Good place for a break for our sponsors when we come back. I'm going to read Movement 5 from the novella. See you in a minute. Here's movement number three from my novella. You can get the novella on Amazon or the gospel-app.com website. Enjoy. This is movement number five 
verses 2 to 6, verse 3. The nightmare is back. As the queen lay there, the familiar feeling of darkness once again overwhelmed her. No matter how hard she tried, the waves of depression and loneliness, anxiety, and insecurity were never far away. She was back in the long, painful nights where she was isolated again, alone. It was in these slumps that she was sometimes consumed with almost blinding paranoia, angry suspicions about the great lover king's real intentions towards her. This was not about being rational, reasonable, or intelligent. These were eclipsing emotions, surges of questions, an obsessive need for answers or else. Who was he with right now? Who was he loving now? These were very self-destructive times. Outside observers would agree that no one despised her right now more than she did herself. It's tragic how the world shapes us as victims. In this dark night, the queen had disrobed more than her royal gown and crown. She was back in the servant fields. She was back in the place of dishonor and abuse that had tragically shaped her heart. She was back to using and being used. The city was calling its own. It was only mere moments, but to her it felt like dark nights upon dark nights of despair. Oh, Yahweh, is there no relief? Into this impenetrable black silence, the king's voice was heard. A distant trumpet at first coming closer, closer. He came to her. He came for her. He came to her door. Listen, oh, my heart, can't you hear it? My lover is knocking on my door. It was his voice. He spoke directly to her. Open to me, my best friend, my darling, my gentle one, my flawless one. I've made special effort to be just with you tonight. My heart is filled with thoughts and desires for you alone. Please come to me. Let us be in the garden together tonight. That's where we belong. Well, another person may have been filled with great joy with such an invitation. Other girls dreamed of this chance. Even she had better times dreamed of such an invitation and how she would respond and how glorious the intimacy would be, but not this time. Her wounded heart was preoccupied with self-justification, blame-shifting, fear, and vengeance. Anger and intimacy do not make good bedfellows. She acted out her rage upon the king. Just who do you think you are that I would change my evening plans? Can't you see that I'm already in bed without you? I've already taken my clothes and makeup off. Do you know how much effort it is to get presentable again? I've already bathed. Are you expecting me to jump every time you say jump? Did the others turn you down? Am I the night's entertainment for you? Oh, not tonight, my king. I have a headache. Whew, it felt great to vent. It was only later that she realized what she had done. What an act of dysfunctional insanity. If the king was ever looking for an excuse to dump her, she had handed it to him on a gilded platter. She paused, strategically waiting for the king to respond. She was ready for a fight. A fight was exactly what the doctor ordered. She heard him. He was then, you know, supposed to respond in anger towards her. This would complete the strategic circle. She now was fully justified for her original anger. It wasn't a high human strategy, but it served her well throughout the years. In some ways, she wondered if she used the strategy to torpedo relationships that she thought were too good for her anyway. 
Men don't usually care for angry, mean women. But this was no ordinary man or lover. She listened as the king reached through an opening, gently intruding into her space. The intrusion lasted but a moment, and then stark silence. He was gone. Her strategy hadn't worked this time. Instead of anger, what she felt inside of her was a deep remorse for something lost. Then, from deep inside her private places, exploded an intimate, almost erotic desire for her husband. Oh, no, what have I done? She gasped. Well, what she had done hit her like a millstone. I really made a mistake this time. Oh, my husband, she cried out, my great king. There was no answer. Her emotions blew and shifted like the desert winds. Anger gave way to resentment, which shifted into a strangling self-loathing, which gave way to deep self-pity, which likewise gave way to frantic despair. Oh, Yahweh, my God, help. What have I done? I have destroyed the only good thing that happened to me in my entire life. What is wrong with me? What in the world was I thinking? Am I crazy, insane? Do I have any idea what love is? God, help me. She quickly inspected the place where her husband had put his hand in the opening. All that remained was the taunting smells of his glorious oils. She fell to the ground, her shoulders heaving with painful cries. Oh, my king, what have I done? She looked longingly into the night, the black hole that consumed her lover. She ran to the door, cried out at the top of her voice. She cried and cried until her lungs ached. There was nothing, no response. He was gone. Maybe she should have learned from the last time, but she was stubborn. Patterns, life patterns are deeply entrenched. Tragically, just like the last dark night, she quickly draped her naked body with a robe, donned her sandals, and ran to the city. Her heart continued where her voice left off. There's nothing more dangerous than a heart scorned. The heart's tongue is a vicious prosecutor. Step after step gave platform for the condemnation of her heart. She had severely messed up. This is unforgivable, she thought. She had turned away the great lover king. If there was anything that would turn him away, this was it. Oh, my beloved, please forgive me. I know that I'm horrible. I know that I've messed up. I'm broken. That's what I've been trying to tell you. Please come back. I will never, ever do that again. I've learned. All I know is that I desperately need you back. I can't live without you. Please answer me. I'm so sorry. Tell me how to make it up to you. Her frantic searching succumbed into self-pity and self-loathing. Oh, those watchmen on the walls. Impatiently, they listened to her tragic story. You, the queen? They could not stifle their mocking laughter. Come on now, queenie. How could that possibly be? Are you telling us that the queen wouldn't dare to turn down the king? (laughs) Not very likely. Queenie, that would be an unpardonable event. Haven't you heard what happens when queens deny the king? Certainly you can come up with a better story than that for the wandering the streets alone at this time of night. 
Normally only whores take those paths. Do you understand us, Queenie? You know, we're amused at your ranting, but we have heard better lies. Hanak, just look at you. You're no queen. You're dressed for business. Look at your skin. You aren't from the garden. You're a city person for sure. You're under our governance and protection, lady. You're a nobody. Oh, and you mention his name? But the king deserves better than you. How dare you pretend that you're something that you're not? And even if you were the queen, we're doing the king a favor by, well, let's just call it disciplining. This will teach you to obey your king the next time. What do you say to that, queenie? Well, the watchmen systematically stripped her and beat her. They put her soiled robes back on her and danced around her in a mock worship. But then they spit at her and shamelessly slapped her. When they were done, they left her stripped, naked, her bloody and beaten body spread out prone on the cold gray cobblestones of her beloved city. The queen lay there, defeated, fully and publicly exposed as a failure, a loser. She wasn't a queen. She had screwed up. She deserved it all, she thought. Oh, those watchmen on the walls. You know, there is a point when even victims move beyond the wailing on the bed. They have trudged through the self-pity and self-hatred to a wide place of actual repentance. On the city streets, she came to her senses and remembered that it was not about her. She had dishonored her king by withholding love from him. This was an act of immense insanity. Now, with a clearing head, she finally asked for help. Daughters of Jerusalem, help me now. If you find my lover, please tell him where I am and that I am so desirous of his love again. This was not a prayer of the street. This was indeed a prayer of a queen. And the response was immediate and non-judgmental. Who is your great lover, most beautiful of all women? Who is he? The question unlocked a massive vault into a greater reality. The dark shadows of the street disappeared in a moment. The smells and the frigid air all gone. The watchman, faraway images. All that she could see in front of her was her beloved king lying beside her, his strong manly arms around her, caressing her. I... I don't fully understand what's happening, but I can see him clearly now. My lover is glorious and manly. He is one in a million. His head is regal, godlike. His hair is perfect. His eyes are gentle, clear, radiant. Oh, and I can perfectly smell the aroma of perfume on his cheeks. I can feel his lips on mine. They feel like flower petals. His arms are powerful and strong. His body taut and masculine. His legs wrapped around me are muscular, like those of an, an athlete. If he was on the pedestal, he would be mistaken for a statue of a god. He's like a majestic cedar of Lebanon. Oh, and his kisses. I'm even now enjoying the taste of his sweet kisses. He is altogether wonderful, perfectly handsome. This is my lover. This is my best friend, O daughters of Jerusalem. The voices inside her guided her one more time back to the present, back into the embracing arms of the king. So where is he then, O most beautiful of women? Where is he gone? We will help you look for him there. Well, her eyes were now fully open. She realized 
the betrayal accomplished by her heart and her conscience conspiring together against her. She was more broken than she thought. The good news was that the king had never left, never stopped loving, his hands still in the opening. Look, now that I can see clearly again, my lover is still here in his garden, entwined about me, caressing me, loving me, embracing me, kissing me. He's been alongside of me all along. What was I thinking? What was I doing? We've never left the royal garden, not even for a moment. Oh, tragic, deceitful heart, oh, wounded spirit. Why can't you rest and be present always? But now, at least for the moment, I remember again, I'm still his beloved. He's still mine. We embrace like eternal lovers. Well, I'm writing a book about overlooked and underappreciated women of the Old Testament. When God finds them, they are the queen. (laughs) And no judgment. This is what the world does. But he doesn't leave them there. It's a fantastic book. If you want to know more about it, uh, get on the mailing list. Bill at gospel-app.com. Check out this simple, uncluttered gospel that I'm preparing just for you. Women, uh, men, you can get the Simple Uncluttered Gospel, uh, the regular one, at our website, gospel-app.com. But women, this one's for you. Say it twice a day for 45 days. You're as broken as the queen, and there is healing. All right? We're preaching the gospel of the king groom to your dark and murky, largely subconscious midbrain. All right? Say it aloud twice a day for 45 days. Let me know what's happening. Bill at gospel-app.com. Here it is. Jesus follower, daughter of the Most High, strictly because of what Jesus did for you 2,000 years ago, God actually loves you. He loves you with all of his heart, as much as the Father loves the Son and the Spirit, and the Son and the Spirit loves the Father. He can't love you any more or any less than he does right now. He can't love you any more if you were smarter or funnier or had a better career, were more educated, had more authority, were a better boss, employee, friend, lover, mother, daughter, married, divorced, widowed, single more attractive, weighed more or less, had better hair, were better cook. He loves you the same no matter what you've done or what's been done to you. You can't add to this love or take away from it. So stop it. Stop trying. This is the love that your brain has subconsciously been jonesing for so long. Now, I get it. It often feels like you've messed it up or need to do something more so that God would like you better. Not so. It's brain science. Nothing has hurt you more than relationships that have gone badly. God designed your brain to protect you from getting hurt again. But that is also causing you to subconsciously resist loving and being loved. Your only fix is to access the God-sourced power through the Spirit in your inner being so that you can begin to experience the height and width and length and depth of the love of Christ for you and for others. So how do you start to experience his incongruous love for you more now? Simple. Good news. There is something that you can do and are invited to do. You can take daily baby steps to ask the Spirit inside of you to make you know, experience, and feel just how much God loves you right now. Just ask. Ask again later today. Ask tomorrow. Make it a spiritual habit. Then dance, daughter of the Most High. Dance. So what jumps off the page to you? What haven't you heard before? What's resonating? What's troubling? Let me know. Bill at gospel-app.com. So much more to come. 
Let us know if you're getting it. We love hearing from people. Bill at gospel-app.com. Do us a favor. Get the word out about God's love for the unlovable. Go to where you listen to podcasts and intentionally follow. That is so helpful. Please do that. Uh, Give us a review if you're on Apple or Podchaser or send us an email. We're going to put the top reviews on our podcast page. Take heart, child of God. Have you ever considered yourself a messenger? I mean, you are called by God, and aren't we all praying the big prayer, Here I am, Lord, send me. So if we put two and two together, you've got a message to deliver, my friend. Whether it's mics like this, bookshelves around the world, stages to take, art to make, or businesses to build, it's time we start testifying truth unashamedly, creatively, and in love. My name is Tamara Andress, the host of the Messenger Movement Podcast, which is designed to catalyze Christians to speak, write, build, and testify. I use my mic like a machete, so if you don't like to get your toes stepped on or pushed off cliffs to finally jump on in with Jesus, I may be too much for you. But if you're ready to turn your message into a movement and want to run with other messengers doing the thing at scale globally, search and follow the Messenger Movement Podcast on your favorite podcast platform or lifeaudio.com today.